You're listening to Mustache, the drinking podcast, though a mustache may be optional. A love of drinks is not. We are not experts, though we pretend to be. And remember, only drink if you are 21 or older. And if you do, do so responsibly and plan a ride. Now, on to the show. And welcome into the show, Andrew and Quinn here. As usual, you're listening to Mustache, the drinking podcast, where we uh, drink and talk about drinks and drink some more. And sometimes, sometimes Andrew drinks a little too much, as we had a couple episodes ago, where Quinn uh, didn't tell me, or I, I didn't remember that I had another drink in the fridge that fit the episode, and I had already made a, a very strong mixed drink, but. Here we are today. I'm a couple drinks in. Quinn has just started his, I believe, and that I uh, have. <laughs> letting it letting your drink sit for an hour is definitely a bold move. Well, I mean, I, I was letting it sit to try it for the first time while we recorded, but I got impatient. <laughs> but not, but. You know, not impatient enough to come back into the room when you were gone and take a sip. Well, <laughs> but just, just, just impatient enough not to wait until we started the show. <laughs> but uh, Quinn, you know what? You usually start. So let's talk about what you're drinking today. So this week, I finally made the New York sour that I is. said I would actually make. Uh, though Andrew doesn't believe I made it because I didn't use a rye whiskey. It's not a New York without a rye. But I'm not going to be that big of a stickler about it. <laughs> if you can make a Negroni with Aperol instead of Campari, you can make it with a different kind of whiskey. I still use the right spirit. It's just a different style of New York sour. But it's got a different flavor to it. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of rye to it. That's the whole point of the New York Sour is what I'm going with. I think the whole point of the New York Sour is putting that wine float on top of a sour. Uh, no, because there's wine floats and sours on other things, I believe, that I've seen. We'll have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> I I don't know. I, okay. Honestly, it's the first time I've ever done a wine float on something. And okay. I I like this drink. I don't know if I like it as much as the dragon's fruit one I made last week. Because okay. it's honestly the same recipe, except instead of the dragon's fruit simple syrup that I made from a jam, I used a honey simple syrup I made from honey and put the wine float on top, which was a lot easier than I expected. So I was I was impressed with myself. What do you mean a lot easier than you expected? I expected to mess it up and have it just blend with the drink and not actually float. How did you put it in? I used it. I poured it onto a spoon that I had just touching the surface of the liquid. Oh, you have it. You had it even touching the surface of the liquid. It, that drink is beautiful. If you go over to our Instagram, you'll be able to find it. Uh, it. It'll be a couple weeks back now. We probably haven't posted all that much to bury it, but it's a very good looking drink that's something that you definitely that you 
your bartender is coming out even though you haven't been a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've spent a lot of time with bartenders. <laughs> you know, because when I've made that drink, I didn't touch the spoon to the surface. I I used a spoon, obviously, um, but I held it a little high, and it didn't mix. It, it it wasn't as pretty as yours, but it didn't like fully mix as if I just poured it in. I suppose if you hold it closer to the surface, it'll just sit on the surface like you made it to. Right. It's not dropping fast enough to break the surface tension of the alcohol or of the drink that you made. So it's just going to float on top. Interesting. And what kind of wine did you use? I used... I don't actually remember. It was a bottle I grabbed because I thought it looked interesting. Um, <laughs> I believe it's called Insurrection Red Wine. Okay. It's I haven't tried it by itself, but mixed into a whiskey sour, it's pretty delicious. Well, I presume if it tastes good, it's a dry it's a dry red. Yep. Yeah, definitely. If you're listening, it was a Cabernet. Perfect. If you're gonna if you're going to go out and make a New York sour, any type of wine float drink, um, that has whiskey or a you know a little bit harder of a liquor. Definitely go with that darker red. And I know you might not necessarily like the darker red uh, when you're drinking normal wine or when you're just drinking a glass of wine. I love the darker or I love the drier. I might not like the drink, the dark. No, 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 no. Listeners, listeners. Oh, okay. I know. I know you. I know we both are on the same page. We both like that dark, dry red wine. Um, But yeah, listen, if, if you're a listener, definitely. For this drink, go out and get the dry wine. Do not get your fruity wines that you might like the taste of it better. It's not going to taste right in this drink. Uh, we might have to try that, but I definitely do not think that it would mix well with a New York sour. Yeah, I think the dryness on top and that just not bite, but the wine taste that comes through. Especially the one I got. I think it's probably a little bit sharper than other wines. So you get a really strong wine taste right away. And then the sour takes over. And you're finished with a... Mostly wine, but sour in the background kind of taste. Have you stirred your drink together? Or are you drinking it with it floating? Um, I took my first couple of drinks with it floating. And then because I used egg whites in my drink. And... Uh, egg whites will separate out of it over time. I'm now essentially whisking it with a chopstick. <laughs> with like a to-go Chinese chopstick? Uh, no, a reusable one. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because I, I would always mix. I would mix that drink. You know, it's pretty to look at, to serve it that way. I wouldn't sip it. We're going to get your your thoughts on it being mixed now. I and I didn't preferred it with the float on top because you got distinct flavors and layers to your tasting hmm. a little bit more so than it just kind of cohesively being mixed together because when it's hmm. floating on top, you get that wine and then you get the like wine and sour and then sour. Okay. And I didn't have an egg white in mind and that, that, that you that makes it more of a froth. And what else did you say that does to the drink? The proteins will react with alcohol to form sugars. So it'll add oh. a natural, um, more full-bodied sweetness. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting drink. I had someone order it uh, while I was serving at a restaurant, and um, he he goes, "You have a New York sour," and I, you know, I was like, "What? What did what did you just say? Whiskey sour? Sure." And I almost we walked have away. A sour. I was like, we have whiskey sour. Sure. And we started, what kind of whiskey do you want? He goes, no, 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 no. New York sour. And I was like, um, do you have the recipe? What is uh, he goes, your bartenders know how to make it. from New York or what? <laughs> He's like, your bartenders will know how to make it. And I was like, oh, sure. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best on alcohols or I wasn't at that point. And I go up to the bar and I'm like, you guys know what a New York sour is? And they both looked at me with the dumbest expression on their face, and I felt so dumb. And it's like, hmm, okay, great. I'll Google it. So I pull up my phone, <laughs> which you're definitely not supposed to do. And I Google, I Google it, and it pops up, you know, it's rye whiskey, sour mix, and then you float wine on top. And I was like, this is interesting. And the guy was adamant. He's like, This is the this is the best drink I've ever had. I just gave it to me at a bar. He said, you know, he just, you know, you, the classic walk up to the bartender and you say, give me what that's what this guy did. And, uh, he came back with that New York sour and he tried it. I get this place I go to and it was an expensive drink. Cause rye whiskey at that restaurant was one of our top shelf whiskeys. And that was like a 12 or $13 drink at that restaurant. So you do need to be careful where you're ordering this because the rye whiskey mix Rye, rye whiskey mixed drink might be very expensive. Um, but but there are certainly from, some cheaper ryes that you can go with as well. At home, for sure. At home, definitely. If you if you go if you make this on your own, you will be able to make this a lot cheaper than spending the big bucks at a bar. And um, if you listen to the near end of the episode, we can even tell you a trick for you know making that bottle of a little bit cheaper rye, not aged as much, aging it a little bit faster at home. And getting a really good product out of it. So definitely stick around. And he almost offered to, he did offer, sorry, he did offer. He goes, here, take a drink. I was like, I'm working. No, I'm not going to take a drink. He goes, no, just take a spoon, take the straw, put your finger in, try it. And I was like, no, I was like, no, thank you. I'm going to go buy a bottle and make it myself. And then I did that. And that's why I forced Quinn to uh, try it this time. I uh, think so. My favorite sour was the Boston sour, the the egg white sour, and I think you know, as just a base sour is going, or like base version of the sour, not adding any weird tweaks to it. This is probably my new favorite. I I I'm glad that's what you said because I that was is skeptical. I will really? be honest. Yeah, I, it was the wine. You were you were yeah, skeptical of the wine. Wine on top of it, I. <laughs> I like I like red wine. I like a dry red wine. I like whiskey sours. And so yeah, they they should work, but I, I had questions of you know, will it actually taste as good as it it should, especially, you know, first try and not following a recipe. <laughs> because you just mix together, you know, honey syrup uh, lemon juice and whiskey and then put egg whites, right? Yeah, I did a – I made myself a double tonight uh, so it would fill up the glass and look prettier. Um, <laughs> look behind the curtain. Uh, so it was two egg whites, double shot of whiskey, a double – or two double shots of whiskey, a double shot of lemon juice, 
a double shot of my honey simple syrup, dry what? shake, and then shake with ice. What? Did you just say there's four shots in that drink? Maybe. <laughs> Jesus, Quinn. No wonder you didn't start drinking before the episode. You wouldn't have made it to the episode. Well, I mean, it's almost gone now. Oh, my God. You're, it's going to be about five. Give me, Quinn, about ten minutes, and he's going to be on the floor. I'll be all right. <laughs> I hope. Knock on wood. There's no real wood around me. Oh, boy. That's oh, uh, okay. Good luck. It's all particle board. <laughs> All right. Um, I did not. Drinking? I did not go as fancy as Quinn this episode. Uh, I went white. I went right down the white trash trail, and uh, what I have sitting in front of me right now is branded Pabst Blue Ribbon. And now we both hey, know now, that I would I never mean, drink a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Go on. <laughs> I have of like the cheap domestic beers. If I can't get a grain belt. I'm probably going to go with a Paps. Oh, God. No. (laughs) And if anything, it's just because of how great they are at sponsoring music and, like, live shows at bars with local bands. Like, that that partially makes the beer taste better, is that they do so much for, like, (laughs) local musicians and local artists. Um, Yeah. And also the fact that it's a cheap pounder doesn't hurt. It's a cheap, cheap pounder. (laughs) Have you tried their coffee one, though? That's what's sitting right in front of me, Quinn. That's the exact oh, thing I'm drinking oh, right now. That is amazing. Quinn, uh, I, I, I do not know how to explain this. Let me give you another sip here. Okay. So I've had a Paps that tastes nothing like that, which was very, very, very good thing. Go down this drink. It's got a, it tastes like there's no alcohol, which is terrifying. There's not a lot, but that's still terrifying. Beyond that, it tastes kind of like Starbucks, kind of like a sweet, full of milk Starbucks where you still get that coffee flavor. Not like Dunkin' Donuts, which is not that good. With yeah, the coffee is much, awful. It's, it's, I'm so sorry to your fiance. Their coffee is good, but you have to drink it black because the second they're allowed to put anything else in it, they ruin everything. No, their their coffee isn't good off the bat. I have you I will admit their food is great. They just shouldn't serve coffee. Okay, listen to me. Have you had just a bl- black iced cold brew? Yes, that's You have. The only thing I get when we're in Massachusetts there. Really? Yeah. And you you don't like the cold brew. It's not that great. I mean, so I like a coffee that can be best described as a solid replacement for paint thinner. So you're saying it's not bitter enough? It's not. Yeah. It's not strong enough. Oh, okay. Which I often have that problem at coffee shops, but generally like your, your go-to coffee shop, like Starbucks, Caribou, Dunn brothers, fine grind, stuff like those. They have a stronger coffee generally, I think, or they, they they play up the stronger coffee, I guess. But uh, well, I like to joke it's not coffee if you can't float a dime on top. Jesus, Quinn. Oh, my God. Okay, secondary question on that topic then. Dunn Brothers just blacked. Black. Yes or no? Yes. You like that? Yep. Okay. Of, of like the top, is that your favorite, do you think? Dunn Brothers? 
Yeah. Probably. I'm a big Dunn Brothers fan. I just the coffee just tastes better. I think. Well, it's so many Dunn Brothers roast their own coffee in house, yeah. which you do know days when like the new guy roasted the coffee because <laughs> everything tastes a little burnt. Yeah. And you also yep. know the days when the veteran has roasted the coffee because everything tastes like joy. Yes, I agree. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Back to the Blue Ribbon hard coffee. I bought this. This is an expensive-ass drink. This is like $11 for four cans, and they're 11 ounces. They're not even 12 ounces. They are 11 ounces. I didn't realize they were 11 ounces. Yeah, because when you open the top, I looked at can. I know. I opened the top and I looked and I was like, why is there so much space in there? And then I started looking at the can and I was like, oh, it's 11 fluid ounces. They left an ounce of space in there for some god awful reason. It doesn't say that it's a nitro can, but it it looks like it when you open it. (laughs) So I describe the the Paps coffee drink, whatever they call it. You know, Monster Java. I've never had it, but I know what it is. It tastes like that but a little bit sweeter and with alcohol. But you can't even taste the alcohol. I bet monster tastes more like liquor than this does. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, I, I've had one of those and they, they taste like they're just a morning coffee drink. It is. They, and it is a secret Irish coffee. It is. And, you know, it says with a dash of milk, this Java brew balanced a rich, creamy blend with a whipped vanilla flavor. Okay, this this shit tastes amazing. I'm not going to back down. This shit tastes amazing. Here are my problems with it. Number one, when you drink it, I could feel it coating my teeth with sugar and just bad things. and number two i want everybody to listen to this this is very important if you take your drink and you look at your can and you circle it around and there's not one nutrition fact on it it's not good for you this thing in 11 ounces has 34 carbs in 11 ounces oh my god that to is be fair, I don't think any drink we're ever going to do on this show is going to actually be good for you. <laughs> unless we get into, like, medicinal wines. Well. <laughs> Which we could do. We live in Minnesota where dandelion wine is popular. So we could definitely do a dandelion wine episode. Oh, my God. It's 245 calories for the 11 ounces, too. Good wow. God. That Good. is impressive. <laughs> oh, my God. I know why it costs so much money, because it's actually a solid. It's food. It's not even a drink. <laughs> you know, like what they say about Guinness, a sandwich in a can. Yeah, exactly. Half sandwich. Oh, my God. I feel bad about drinking these. I'm, I got to go. I got to go for a run now. Good Lord. Oh, See, and there's the difference between us. I don't run. I don't run either, but I want to just from drinking these and realizing how bad they are. For I have one upstairs I need to finish. I'm going to have to fin- I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm going to drink that. <laughs> uh, likely one sip after another. 
Oh God! And happily because it tastes so oh, good. It's so good. Oh, there are some other coffee drinks that are good, but this is one of the best. One of the best. So I'm not a big proponent of hair of the dog, but would that be a hair of the dog drink? Do you think? I don't understand the the quotations. What are we talking uh, about here? So hair of the dog is the idea that you know the morning after a, a big night of drinking, when you have a hangover. You have yourself another drink. Yeah. yeah oh, that's an interesting one. I am not a proponent of that at all. If I had, a, if I'm hungover, all I want to do is lay in bed and suffer, and um, you know, own my sins of what I did last night and hate myself. <laughs> but if I were a person who did that, this is a good drink because it's got a lot of carbs. It's thick. It's gonna sit in your stomach and soak. The things that are that are in there uh, might go good with a greasy breakfast sandwich, right? For you, I think. Ooh, I yeah. think that that's a good pairing. That's a good breakfast. We might have to do some breakfast drinks episodes, or, or you know, hair of the dog episode kind of thing, because hundred oh, percent. That's right along the path. <laughs> that is right along the path. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I do. I do. Your New York sour? No, that's a night drink. But <laughs> oh, if you had the effort to do that, one hungover. <laughs> <laughs> One, you weren't hungover. And two, well, props. <laughs> Though I don't believe it is a good, you know, again, not a proponent of the hair of the dog technique, but I wouldn't recommend this because there's something about, especially the egg whites I put in there, raw egg white, I just see not sitting well if you already have a grumpy stomach. Oh, that's a term god. I've never used before. Grumpy stomach. Oh god. Uh, what? What about? No, no. Because okay. Two questions. What do you do with the egg yolks when you make an egg white drink? First off, um, honestly, what I've done the last two times I've made these drinks is I threw them out, which makes me sad. But I do have a lot of things you can do with just egg whites or just egg yolks. I've actually made cured egg yolks. Uh, you make them by putting them in a salt and sugar mix, and you can mix in herbs and other spices, and essentially it'll dry out the egg yolk, and you can grate it like a Parmesan cheese. Uh, it's really good. Uh, you can make you know creme brulee, creme caramels, any other type of custard. Um, if you like eggs in the morning, save them and throw them into your eggs. Do realize, though, that it's going to make it you know, a lot higher in cholesterol because egg yolks. Uh, you can also use them to kind of quick thicken something. Hmm. Uh, though that's a much more difficult technique to thicken with an egg yolk because you have to worry about it breaking and maybe don't try that at home. <laughs> this is why no one in a restaurant makes hollandaise from scratch. <laughs> that... Was my first question, and I've completely forgot my second one. So that's lovely, Andrew. It was about well, eggs. I have a question. Yes. What's this week's topic? <laughs> Talking about our drinks. That's all we're going to talk about, Quinn. That's for <laughs> Forty-five minutes of Pabst Blue Ribbon hard coffee and New York sours. This week's topic is simple syrups, which we've touched on a couple, touched on a couple times, and I'm really excited to talk about actually. And uh, we're going to get into some home aging stuff, uh, grenadine and the special flavor that's inside of it that you probably got wrong. And some home home stuff, some equipment hacks, 
So, Quinn, what are we going to start with first? Looks like simple syrups are first on the agenda today. Unbelievably easy to make at home. Right. The first thing on our agenda, again, you know, this entire episode after we talk about our drinks for an excessively long period of time, deal with it, uh, is, you know, things you can make at home to save money at your bar. The biggest thing that makes absolutely no sense to me is buying simple syrup. Because that shit is expensive for sugar water. <laughs> like you could walk down an aisle of a grocery store and buy twice the volume of pop, which is sugar water with flavor, as you could simple syrup. I swear to God. Especially because simple syrup, all you have to do to make it, don't even bother writing it down. One to one ratio. One part sugar to one part water. Heat it up, whisk until it's all dissolved, put in a container, and refrigerate. <laughs> uh, shelf life on it should be about a month. You can certainly push that. I kept a hibiscus simple syrup that I made for probably about six months, and it was just fine. Though they will start to go, they will ferment, and uh, you'll end up with either vinegar mold or alcohol and mm. i don't recommend either way trying it once it started to go a direction <laughs> but quinn what if it's alcohol <laughs> it will not be a good one <laughs> well all right i i i, I want to know listeners if you put one in your fridge and wait a month i want to know if you try it and i want a video of it too unless it's mold can you tell if it's mold, Quinn? Uh, once it's started to like develop a large colony, yeah, you can definitely see that there's mold in there. But okay. mold's not super common since the level of sugar is so high that it helps to act a little bit like a preservative. Okay, interesting. But that will depend case by case what you put in it, so on and so forth. Uh, but when you're making simple syrups, you can play around and make simple syrups that honestly if you were to find in a store would cost you an arm and a leg like i took some hibiscus flowers took my water steeped the hibiscus flowers in the water for like 30 minutes until it turned a nice bright pink had a little bit of this like tart sweetness to it strained them out and then used that to be my liquid to make my simple syrup and i had a delicious hibiscus simple syrup that i made from that but you can make a juniper simple syrup, hibiscus, um, mint, you know, honestly, anything that you could turn into a tea. So any herb you can infuse into the water and then use that water as your one part liquid with your sugar to make your simple syrup. Yeah, no, it's, it's super easy. And, you know, anything in your spice cabinet anything you can make a simple syrup out of and you know it, it might taste a little weird you might not love it but why not try a little bit of it put it in a drink uh quinn have you ever done my thing would be have you ever done anything like with a lot of spice because i think that would be a pretty interesting that's sweet and spicy together i have not made a spice simple syrup though i believe bartenders i used to work with have okay okay because i'm just thinking like well what if you put like some you know, paprika or even like, you know, put a jalapeno in something and then oh, yeah. made a simple syrup out of it. Cause that would be interesting too. 
Oh, that would be delicious. Especially once you add in that sweetness, it's going to cut the level of spice so much. So you're, honestly, you're going to get something that tastes like jalapeno or habanero with a little bit of heat, but not much because sweetness tends to balance heat. I think that would be really cool. I think that might be a good one for a drink because then you can get that flavor through, like you said, without the without the heat. And you can add thing. You can make a drink where you might have been scared of how you know how much is that jalapeno going to come through? How much bite is this going to have? Not from the alcohol, but from the the thing I added into it. Instead, you're going to be like, okay, how much is that flavor is going to come through? But instead of the actual heat to it, that's going to be pretty interesting. Right. And especially if you have that flavor already infused into something you know exactly how strong it is you know what you you know the ingredient you're going to use and so you can say all right well okay i have this jalapeno simple syrup and this regular simple syrup i want three parts jalapeno to one part regular because i don't want the pepper to overpower this drink because i'm using some more subtle flavors but i want that like background heat just deliciousness to it you put honey down here as two to one and you just said three to one for the jalapeno so you know you uh, talk about one to one. one for a granulated sugar simple syrup and okay. when making a honey simple syrup you know infuse the water however you want anyways uh but with honey since it does have a little bit of liquid in it you're going to use a higher ratio on that the recipes I've seen say generally use one to two parts honey. I use about one and a half parts honey to one part water. And again, that depends on the honey you're using because depending, you know, is it a local honey? What kind of flowers were those bees getting to? There's a lot of variables when you get to honey. But because of that, you get much richer flavors uh, and much bolder tastes. And we'll work our way to another... Uh, very important part of the bar, I would say, for professional bars, maybe at home if you like adding that sweet to it with a little bit of pomegranate, and that's going to be our grenadine. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the nose. So grenadine, contrary to popular belief, is not a cherry liquid. It actually is made from pomegranate juice, the exact same ratios as making a simple syrup. It's one part pomegranate juice to one part sugar. And then if you can, if you have it on hand, uh, one dash of orange blossom water per cup. I think it's unnecessary. I think grenadine is such a strong taste as it is that pomegranate. It's going to overpower most of that orange blossom flavor. You're going to get some, you know, floral notes to it if you do that. But yeah. Question for you, Andrew. Do you know how pomegranates, grenadine, and grenades are connected? <laughs> um, you know, not 100% sure, but I, I'm thinking that you have an answer. But I, I, I assume that the grenade is modeled after, a pomegranate, modeled after a pomegranate, but that makes no sense to me at all. Well, you're actually spot on there. So... The grenade, or the granada, also pomegranates. My French is awful, so I apologize. I believe in French, pomegranate is granada. Uh, and the grenade got its name because, like a pomegranate, 
is filled with lots of little seeds. A old grenade was filled with lots of little BBs. So it, it, just, it got the name a pomegranate. That sounds so bad. Yeah, one's delicious and one kills you. Yeah, exactly. And, and you call it a pomegranate. Just it feels wrong. <laughs> right. I, I feel like out of context, things could certainly get complicated. But that that's why grenade and grenadine sound so much alike. And when you find out that Grenada, or however you pronounce it in French, please, someone correct me. Uh, because anytime I use French, it's going to be wrong. Guaranteed. Hands down. If I got this right, please let us know. I will let it go to my head that I was right once. <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. There we go. Pomegranate. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Grenade. Grenad, that's how you say it. Oh yeah, not even close. Okay, good. Thank you, Google Translate. If that's wrong too, yeah, I don't care. That's not going to knock me off a pedestal. It's going to knock Google Translate off a pedestal, but yeah, you can't <laughs> knock that bitch off of anything. So, <laughs> okay, explain to us what uh, orange flower water is. Uh, so it's a water that's been infused with orange blossoms. What's an orange blossom? Uh, an orange blossom is the flower that appears on an orange tree before the orange grows out of that flower. What the hell? That would. Where do they even sell that? You can find it in quite a lot of liquor stores. Um, it'll often sometimes be kind of with the mixers in some grocery stores as well. Hmm. It's. Uh, you can also generally find them in like Middle Eastern markets. It's used in a lot more cooking in middle eastern culture so okay so you'll find it in a lot of desserts i know certain baklava recipes call for it what other drinks would you put that in i'm sure anywhere that you would think a little bit of orange would be good is that the flavor to it though or just a touch of orange yeah so it, it's all the floral notes to orange what i just can't imagine a floral note in an orange i guess well I'm trying to so think of fan. the taste of like an orange zest I don't know if I've ever had an orange zest. Okay, that's probably why I can't put the put my finger on it. You're you're missing out. I I'm also it's, a big it's a orange dessert. fan. Oh yeah, no, I'm not a huge or I'm not no I don't drink orange juice usually. I don't yeah, I know we've no, had we already this had this argument. We already had this argument. I was like, wait, I was like, wait, this sounds really familiar. Orange zest you would put on eat drinks and desserts kind of thing, right? Yeah, you can also grate it into um, certain dishes that you'll make, like I'll use it with pork fairly often uh, because pork's really accepting of those kinds of notes. But now we're going into a whole different area. Uh, we're going to the food part of food and drink. We're not called the chewing mustache. I, I, won't, I won't let Quinn go on that tangent because we already went on a tangent about our drinks today. Um, okay, Quinn, what's this next section? Is it really big? So this next section is home aging. Hold on a second. That's going to make sure I can see that on the track. Okay, continue. Uh, so this next section is home aging. And there's two main ways you can do this. I guess three. You could buy a full-size barrel full of whiskey and let it sit. Or you could do what I do. Um, I have a one-twelfth size cask. 
So it's one twelfth the size of a normal one. Pretty small. It holds about one and three quarters liters to two liters of liquid. And the perks of it being so small is because the surface area is 12 times smaller. It helps progress the aging process. So you can get about equivalent to a year's aging in a month when you're using something with that small of surface area because it's exposed to that much wood. Granted, I haven't tested this. I guess if you know a cooper or a barrel maker, uh, you could get them to make you a full-sized one and a one-twelfth size one and fill up that full one with an alcohol. And then when it is 11 years old, fill up your, your smaller one with the same alcohol you've just had sitting in a bottle and then try them after a year and see how different the flavor is. Uh, but joking aside, the reason I really like doing it is because it really makes the alcohol come to life. And I mean that as you can go back kind of each week and taste it and it will taste entirely different. There is kind of a cycle to it where it'll get better and worse and better and worse. Uh, for instance, I was aging one and I regret not taking it out of the cask and throwing it back in the bottle after it was probably four months because out of nowhere, it got this strong, like the floral cherry taste, no real sweetness to it. Uh, it was a rye that I was using. And it also had, you know, this undertone of rye where it wasn't super overpowering. And so I waited a week because I wanted that that rye and cherry taste to kind of merge. Uh, what I ended up getting after a week was just total rye. All the fruity notes of it went away. Um, <laughs> so that was disappointing. It was almost like someone poured an entirely new bottle in there. Um, but so I let that age again for like another couple of months. And it, by the time I took it out, it wasn't fruity. It had kind of lost all that in the process but it was really nicely oaked and it had a kind of subtle smokiness to it. Cause I had just thrown in some charred chips into my barrel as well. What were you asking, Andrew? This, that, it sounds good. No. And it sounds like you're, you're always trying to make every single one of your drinks into a scotch, no matter what it is. Smoky dirt scotch. That's like, it's, it's like you tried, dirt. you tried to not get there. And then you went, fuck it. Throw the peach, throw those chips in there, right down to scotch. It's, well, I mean, I, I keep those chips in there, anyways. Generally, they're going to be aged in a charred barrel, anyways. Pretty much Your... any whiskey you come across. Interesting. I did not know that. Well, you, you, you... at least to my understanding, I could be entirely wrong uh, you know... because I I'm not a distiller. But you have been to my before, understanding. Yeah. Most whiskey barrels will be charred. Interesting. Did not know that. I did. I mean, it just, you know, I don't know. Whenever that smoke comes in, I think of you because that's like your kind of drink. <laughs> that, I mean, I do love a smoky drink. I also love smoked meats. I, I think smoke is a technique that, you know, with food and drink is something people forget about. And, you know, it it's 
pretty responsible for us being here today. It was one of the first ways we learned to preserve food was through smoking and, you know, pay homage to it. But don't and, do it every day because smoking things can contain carcinogens. So be careful. You know, smoking is not good for you either. But right. you talk about the corks that you put in there as well. Yeah. So these are actually corkscrews of wood. And just like a small, smaller barrel will increase your surface area, a corkscrew is going to increase your surface area ridiculously. Um, so these are designed to put one corkscrew into a bottle for even only a week. And it can make some pretty major differences to the taste. Uh, my family likes to do it with tequilas. I believe my dad has done it with some whiskeys. Um, I don't know any other things they've done it with. Now coming to mind is what if you, you did it with a gin? What would happen there? And I'm thinking this is an awful idea, which I might have to try doing. You have to do. You have to. No. I think I have to. I don't want to. Please stop me. <laughs> Viewers, no, no. please stop. No, no, me. no, 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 no. Don't you di- nobody stop him. I want to I want him to suffer through this smoky gin. You just want to see me suffer. That that's what I this wanna, episode has taught me. I also want to try it. This episode I'm <laughs> every Our single episode is <laughs> Every single episode has been about me making my friends suffer because it's fun. We have different definitions of that. So <laughs> what what would you try aging at home to try and save some money on? Age at home. Um, I want to say vodka, but that's filtered. It's It's got to be whiskey because you can't. I, I just can't imagine aging anything else. You know, the tequila makes sense, but I would never put a, a smoky corkscrew in a bottle of fucking tequila. That sounds so bad. No, I mean, think about when we were talking about different types of tequila. What's the difference between a Blanco and an Añejo? Aged, correct. But the smokiness is what I'm not, I'm not about. Where No, these aren't smoky. They're spirals of wood. Oh, the the ones that those, the spirals he's talking about don't have any flavor to them. Uh, They have the flavor of oak or, you know, whatever oh, that, other yeah, okay. kind of wood you're using. Yeah, okay. Um, like whiskey barrels, though, like, I'll throw in some, like, oak chips, and then I'll char a couple of them when I throw it in, just because, you know, that also adds some more body and other things to it. But you can even try aging wines. Um, for instance, I make a juniper mead, which I age with the cork, uh, the corkscrew of oak. I actually use a wine oak for it. I don't specifically know what type of oak that is. Okay. What? So the, one of the first things that came to mind when you asked me was, so one of our friends, I had him buy his uh, little in uh, in his fraternity. I had him buy. He said, "What? What should I get my little for? What should I get my little?" And he had just turned twenty one, and I was like, "You should get him a bottle of scotch. That's a good." That's a good pick. You know what I mean? Like, that'd be a good, you know, try the scotch. And uh, I didn't specify and tell him, like, you know, maybe you should buy a better bottle of scotch or maybe you should buy this or this. I just said scotch. And then he goes, well, you pick me up one. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I was running a liquor store and I bought it. And uh, what did you buy? I, 
I you're not gonna like this. I go to Sam's Club a lot. Um, so I went to the Sam's Club liquor section store. Hashtag not a sponsor. And could be a sponsor. Could be a sponsor. Big sponsor. <laughs> and uh, I'm walking around, and there's not a ton of choices there. But what they do make is their own branded scotch. And I looked at it, and I'm like, that's good. Picked it up, <laughs> got whatever I was getting, and left. Oh, shout and, out to Kirkland Brand. It's Kirk- it's great. Kirkland Brand is – I don't know if that's the one it is because Kirkland is Costco, right? Oh, Kirkland is Costco. I thought you were saying yeah. you went to Costco. Ah, I don't no, know I went- anything about who they actually use for their alcohols at Sam's Club. I know Costco, for instance, their bourbon is a maker's mark. Really? Yep. At least Ooh. it was. Oh boy. Okay. And so it's way less for a bottle. You know, Kirkland brand. Check them out. They tend brand. to be a good product that they just relabel under their own brand because they can buy it in bulk and pass on savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, another addition to that: if you don't have, if you the, all liquor stores do not need a membership. That is legal law. You cannot charge a membership to buy at a liquor store. So you can go. Is that to federal Costco. law or is that just in the Minnesota state law? We went to the one in Florida and didn't have to show our membership card either. So okay. you can go. The liquor store is, I believe, I'm pretty sure this is federal law. They cannot make charge you for a liquor store like membership. So you can go in Costco or Sam's Club. You can just walk in there. And I recommend Sam's Club spiced rum, really good. Um, Sam Sam's Club tequila, pretty good too. And uh, um, man, there's another one. But so I pick up the bottle of scotch. Uh, we bring it to the to the place. We bring it to where we were going. Hands it to him. The guy starts drinking it. He's not a huge fan. One of our our friends. Quinn, I'm gonna cut this, but Sam Dingman, okay? Okay. And uh, one of our friends tries it and goes, "Is that tequila?" And I was like, "What? What did you just say? What?" And I'm like, "No, it's scotch. What do you mean tequila?" And she goes, "Oh, yeah, bad scotches taste like tequila sometimes." And I was like, "What? I've never heard that." You haven't. Oh, neither had I until that moment. And I, and then I took but a I sip. Guess I could kind of see. Ah, uh, no, no. No, Quinn, listen. I took a sip and I looked at her and I said, "Fuck you." That tastes like tequila now. God damn it! No, and I was like, "No, this is not good." I am not happy with you telling me this because now I I taste that. <laughs> I feel like any bad alcohol in a way tastes like any other alcohol that isn't good. Oh, you know, God. not saying that tequila isn't good. We've both talked about how much we love it. Um, yes. But like, I feel like a bad tequila, there's a certain like rubbing alcohol aspect to it. And a bad scotch, there's a smoking rubby or a smoked rubbing alcohol taste to it. So, I mean, I guess I can kind of see it, but. Um, I'm still going to choose to disagree. Oh, I tasted it and it was, I was upset because I could taste the tequila coming through and I was like, this is, oh man. Okay. Well, whatever. But yeah, you know, definitely go for those, it goes for those cheaper drinks there and I, and you could age them. And that's what I meant. You could put that. I wanted to put that in, 
in a bottle in, in a in a cask and see how it tasted after you know a year or something like that and oh, see yeah. if it really improved that scotch i'm because sure could, it would it would kind of blend those flavors together and ooh. you know anything that kind of has that like strong fresh alcohol taste to it the white dog taste to it um white dog is an unaged bourbon and i feel like anything that has that sort of taste to it a little bit of time aging sitting with a just an oak or any other kind of aging wood you would use it helps to blend those flavors and mellow out a lot of the harsher tones yeah i i think it would be i'd like to try that now i'd have to get a cask though and, and if you do get a cask they're good for probably i'm on my second one now first one i used for about four or five years um okay. with multiple different batches and then as a farewell to it i put mead in it for uh i believe it was a month to end and i ended up with this it was the entire inspiration behind that juniper oaked mead because i ended up with a mead that tasted on the back end like just a beautiful whiskey I brought it one night to my, uh, I play D and D cause I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> I brought it to my D and D night and we all agreed. We were just each going to have, you know, a glass. It was going to leave some for me to share with one of our friends. Who's a big mead fan. Um, that plan didn't work <laughs> within about 45 minutes. It was gone. Um, wow. And that was with us looking at it for 15 minutes after we finished our drink going, we can't pour another glass. We can't pour another glass. Why am I picking it up? Oh God, I'm pouring another glass. Well, shit. It's in my glass now. God damn it. But so that's going to move us on to kind of our next topic. So just like home aging, that's a very specific type of infusion. But there's whole lots of other different kinds of infusions you can make. I recommend when you start out, try using just a vodka, something that's going to give you a very neutral template to work with. So whatever you're infusing is going to be able to stand center stage. Uh, we will do another episode on this because it deserves its own eight hours. Um, <laughs> because there's so much you can do with different types of infusions. But I'll just run through a list of you know, some possible options you can do. And they kind of run the gambit in flavor-wise. Cucumber. Cucumber vodka is my favorite way to drink vodka. Hands down. Hmm. I also refreshing, right? Super refreshing. Like, kind of the taste you get biting into a fresh cucumber is hmm. what you get from cucumber vodka. Very good in a mule, I would say. I, I would... I would implore i should say yeah i mean it have you have you had this i have not but i could certainly see that being delicious i've what if i i don't think i've ever actually mixed cucumber vodka i've just you sipped it S sipped it it's the that good vodka hater it is that sipped. good man yeah if you um here it is right here in a mule you know one and a half of your favorite cucumber vodka, uh, uh, three fourths of an ounce of fresh lime juice, 
put three cucumber slices right in that thing and then your ginger beer. Yeah, just very refreshing summer drink is how that's the best way to describe that. Just refreshing and nice as all mules are, though. Yeah, I've honestly not had many mules. Um, You haven't? No, I like them just fine. I just I order other things, I guess, generally. Mm-hmm. I like my kind of classic prohibition era cocktails a lot and pre-prohibition yeah. cocktails a lot. So kind of stuck in a rut there. Um, <laughs> but moving on to other types of infusions, one that is really good and it's going to be entirely dependent on the type you put in it, but is a peppercorn infusion. So if you were to get pink peppercorns, which is going to be a bit more expensive because pink peppercorns are more expensive um, they have a much more subtle spice to them. They're, they're really good. Um, but so you can just take some whole peppercorns, throw it in. And this is one that can age shelf stable. Just be wary, taste it every three, four days, uh, because eventually you're going to end up with something. If you let it go too long, that is a punch in the face of peppercorn because peppercorns have so much flavor in them, they're going to be able to just keep infusing and making it stronger and stronger. Um, so that that's one that you could certainly make, you know, any drink that you want a little bit of heat, a little bit of kick to it would be delicious in a Bloody Mary doing a peppercorn vodka. Yes, I agree. That sounds great. Um, the restaurant I worked at, we made habanero vodkas every once in a while that were infused some ghost chili ones, um, scotch bonnets. One that's also really good that you can do would be uh, bell peppers, garlic, and some other, like maybe some onion, maybe a little bit of peppercorn in there. Uh, But it it just creates a delicious flavor. You can infuse them with coffee. Um, We talked about chili peppers, onion, other fruits. Um, You could do lavender, rosemary, Uh, If you think about it, honestly, infusions is just making a liqueur in a way. With coffee, are you using the coffee beans or are you using coffee? Either or. Uh, If you do coffee beans, you're going to get a much different flavor than just coffee. If you use espresso beans, you're also going to get a different flavor, you know, light to dark roast. Okay. Uh, Anything, though, that you're using a fresh fruit in or fresh vegetable you are going to have to refrigerate that or you're going to start growing yourself a colony of mold. Uh, Yes, vodka is strong. Yes, vodka will kill bacteria. But that cucumber, that fruit, it will find a way to make what you're doing go off. Okay, hold on, hold on here. Vodka is strong, but you know what is stronger? Everclear. And I live in, I live currently in Wisconsin where we can get some very strong Everclear. If you did cucumber Everclear, please God, no one make this. Do you did cucumber Everclear? Do you think it could still grow mold? If the cucumber floated to the top? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, life finds a way as Jurassic Park taught us. This is true. And, uh, Mold has been here for a while. But so just, just be careful when doing infusions anytime you're using a fresh fruit or something that, you know, once cut open, uh, 
would run the risk of going bad at room temperature, just refrigerate it. Better safe than sorry. And yeah, I don't I don't think you'll regret it. Sure, it might take a little bit longer at a colder temperature to infuse, but I'd say that little bit of extra time, maybe a day or two more, is worth the the wait. Because it's better to wait a day and have your product than try and save a day, look at it and go, hmm, if I drink you, I die. And pour <laughs> it down the sink because you just killed it. Well, I mean, you talk about these uh, infusions. The One of the ones that I know lots of um, the younger generation they are, are, are a little bit more closer the to my younger age. generation? Compared to you, yes. Uh, would be, you know, your uh, Jolly Rancher vodka. Quinn, have, I don't think you've had this. I have you had that. Have. You may have. Uh, I have very made good. it. Have you? I have. Have you? You were that bored? <laughs> No, someone asked me to make it, so I made it. Ah, yes. So you, did you try it? Yes. Ah, okay. I'm a big fan because you just let that does you let that whole Jolly Rancher dissolve in there. It takes a very long time, right? Let that whole thing dissolve in there, and it creates a pretty good flavor. And then you can just buy trashier vodka because then you got the more sugars in there and everything, and a better flavor to it. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to make a green apple vodka, which I'm never going to make again. Probably <laughs> I would throw a Jolly Rancher in there because honestly, that's what most flavored vodkas taste like is that they're flavored with Jolly Rancher anyways. Are we talking about brunettes here? What are you, which kind of flavored vodka are you talking about? They're all kind of the same to me. Yeah. Um, which they are all different. I'll concede, but in my mind, they're all the exact same brand and there is no difference. Um, oh boy but you could even do that with schnapses um, you could infuse like just find a, a basic schnapps and make a peppermint schnapps uh, which I am a big fan of in the winter but now we're going into a hold on why wouldn't you just buy the peppermint schnapps Is because it really maybe that you want to play around at home because it's cold outside I don't know <laughs> so cool. often though when you infuse things you're going to get a much fresher and better flavor than you would buying it from the store. Like even making okay. your own cucumber vodka or gin compared to one you buy at the store. Like Norseman makes a cucumber gin, which is amazing. Just phenomenal. Never even seen that on the shelf, to be honest. I think if I took just their regular gin, took it home and infused it with some cucumbers for a week, it would taste 10 times better. Hmm. But that's because it'll have fresher, better flavors, uh, don't have to worry about preserving it as much. Valid point. Less hoops to jump through when when doing it at home, and you know you can save a lot of money doing your own infusions. Not as much with like these infusions that we're talking about as compared to aging or you know making your own grenadine or simple syrups. Which please don't buy them. You don't need to. But you need a bottle. I want to be. I want to make that important. You need a bottle to bottle them in. You can't just put them in the fridge. You can put. Uh, yeah, don't pour liquid into the fridge. They. It needs a vessel, um, which I think had to be oh, said. Oh, you know, I hate you. Jar. I hate you. It has to be a sealed glass or something yes. sealed. You need you to be able to seal it off, or else that that uh, one month shelf life we talked about is now a week, and even then, because. Uh, 
it'll absorb all the flavors from your fridge. Uh, all the odors that are going around will absorb into water uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> what if you and, put the baking soda right next to it? You think it would last longer? Uh, no, I don't honestly think so. <laughs> I think you just I run just... the risk of somehow getting a slightly baking soda flavored one. <laughs> Not I want to try it. this. Stop, stop, stop bringing stuff up that's disgusting because you, you know me. I just, I'll make it. I might and not, then not try it and force someone else to. Exactly. I know how you work. This is the goal. This is the goal. You get, you're following the steps. You're following the, following the pattern. So, Andrew, have you ever thought about brewing at home? I have not. I, I, I take this back, actually. We bought my grandpa a home brewing kit years and years ago, and I found it. I lived with them for a couple of years in college, and I went. <laughs> I took it out of the basement because they hadn't even touched it. Shocker. And I gave it to my big, our friend. And uh, I was like, you should make some beer. And this asshole didn't. He just took the took the thing. I don't even, they probably threw it away at this point, which is fine because that's where it would have went anyways. But I was like, I want you to brew some beer. I want to see how bad it is. Uh, was it one of those Mr. Beer kits? Yes. Ah. Pretty sure. Yeah, I have pretty I think I had beer made from one of those. I've had beer made in one of those before, but I don't know if it was actually the Mr. Beer beer that comes with it. Oh, it comes with like a beer too? You don't I, it comes it. with like a mix to like ah. the, the grain and stuff. I don't exactly know. Um, but so Andrew, that that's a great like starting point is if you want to try brewing for the first time, a Mr. Beer kit is a good way to get started. It won't make the best beer. It won't make the most beer. But once you get your foot in the door, you've made a really basic one. You're going to have a lot more confidence to play around and even start to go towards your partial mashes. Um, so those will have some grain that you're actually going to have to work with in a boiling pot. Um, but we'll just cover the like necessities, if you want to get started home brewing, we'll do a whole topic on this and even get a, a guest for that episode uh, who is far more qualified to talk about it than either of us. Um, but things that you need, just basic things like a carboy or some glass jugs, a blanket. I recommend a blanket because you want to be able to hide them from as much light as possible. So what I do is I use uh, gallon glass jugs when I make my mead and I put them in a like little storage bin tote thing and then just put a blanket around the top, uh, leaving the airlocks, uh, which please use an airlock. It will prevent so many contaminants from getting into your alcohol. And especially when brewing a beer or a wine or a cider, it has such a low ABV that it's not going to do much to fight um, new colonies forming. And you're going to run a higher risk of getting natural bacteria in there, which are going to form a uh, vinegar because mother vinegar feeds off of alcohol. It converts alcohol into an acid. Uh, so, you know, that, that is a concern. But if you buy an airlock, you eliminate so much of that worry. You also eliminate the threat of, oh, what if a fruit fly flies into it? Um, like I, I hear people talking about, yeah, just get a balloon and that balloon will regulate your pressure. 
Yeah, but what about if you have a vigorous reaction with your yeast? It's going to start bubbling up. That balloon can fill, and you know, eventually you're going to get a geyser of yeast foam. Whereas in an airlock, it'll kind of naturally purge itself. It'll let that up into the airlock. It might, you know, shed a little bit of water, but it it's going to continually allow the pressure to equalize, and you won't be sitting on a a brewer's bomb. Is this any type of flip top lid then? Is that what you're talking about? No. So airlocks, there's two main kinds. You'll see either um, essentially a cylinder that has like a little hat that sits inside of it on a post. And so you fill that up with water partially up to the post and that little cap on there will go up. And eventually when there's enough pressure, it'll raise high enough that the gas can escape through the water and out equalizing the pressure. Um, But the reason why there's water in there is water will allow the gas out. It's not going to allow any new gases in. Okay. Uh, or else the other type is, it looks kind of like an S and there's two little um, compartments that will be filled up with water. And those two will allow the water um, to kind of move in between them and equalize pressure. Interesting. Uh, okay. Other things that you're going to want to have a strong sanitizer solution. I swear by star sand. Uh, it's used in tons of industrial kitchens because it does one thing really well, and that's kill any bacteria that it comes in contact with. Because the name of the game when brewing, sterilize your containers. You want to be working with as good an option as you have. You know, Level the playing field as much in your favor as you can, and sanitizing your equipment well is the best way to do that. But honestly, the main things you need is you need a yeast, you need whatever you're fermenting. So that's going to include water and sugar in some form. For instance, mead, the recipe is water, honey, yeast, throw in a container and wait a month. Okay. And you can save so much money brewing at home. Uh, Beer, I don't, I used to know like a cost per gallon comparison between like you know, a good dark beer and a dark beer you make at home. I don't remember that anymore because uh, I haven't made a beer in years. Uh, but I know when it comes to mead, I probably spend, you know, half as much per bottle. Wow. Mead's expensive though. It is. And most of that is because honey is expensive. But if you buy a good honey, you make a a really nice mead, you're honestly going to save quite a bit of money on that, you know, compared to buying one of the same quality. And it's going to taste better to you because you just fucking made it yourself. And everything tastes better when you make it yourself. I don't know if I agree with that one. Most things taste better when you successfully make them yourself. That's a little bit more spot on. You're the chef. You got to remember some of us amateurs don't, uh, don't have any idea what we're doing. Oh, uh, look behind the curtain. Most chefs just fuck around and we figure out stuff. That's yeah. how, we, that's how we learn. It's how anyone learns. Yeah, you learn but, from your mistakes. 
you've learned is what I'm saying, and you you understand if you go back a couple episodes, you'll find a play, flavor matching and pro, flavor profile matching and stuff like that. A lot of us rookies are don't understand how to flavor and prof and palette match and stuff like that to where the combinations will make sense. And you just throw some stuff together. Like my first drink where you were like, yeah, I'm on there cinnamon apple. And then cherry. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, the cherry McGillicuddy's reaction was because I just can't stand cherry McGillicuddy's. Oh, well, what if I had just put like maraschino cherry juice in there? Yeah, 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 it's still bad. Exactly. So black cherry juice, though, Ooh, I'm, I'm okay. back on board. That would have been OK. I don't have black cherry juice, but. OK, all right. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on, I think I'm on board with this now. I'm on board with this now. Uh, so to end it off, you know, what are some just equipment hacks uh, that you can think of? that you know we might not have touched on our second episode uh building your home bar which we did do a lot of talking about equipment hacks ways to get around needing for instance a shaker um but what other things can you think of that you know might just be a cool equipment hack you can do no we talked about the kebab sticks using those as uh as sticks for yours or or stir sticks i mean um talked about the toothpicks you probably have them in the house don't have to buy buy specific uh, bar toothpicks or, you know, go to your bar and steal a bunch of them. Uh, you don't need a bar spoon necessarily if you have a regular spoon, but the bar spoon is very helpful because it fills in about three different spots instead of just the spoon. But you, can just, right. you can just use a regular spoon for that. You know, you can, t you talk about, it's really worth it to buy that bar set. Uh, we talked about in that episode, go on Amazon, buy yourself a little $20 one or something like that, or $40 one if you want a little bit nicer. Uh, but there's lots of different things you can do. Just go around your kitchen. If it looks like it might work, try it. I mean, put two glasses together and shake, you know, probably will be fine if they stick inside of each other. You know, if it creates somewhat of a seal, you're going to be fine there. So Quinn, right. you have any I mean, maybe you might want to try shaking the first time with water. I mean, yeah, I thought that just was a because okay. yeah, water's just water to clean up. Oh, I just feel like we should put that out there so <laughs> someone isn't at home, you know, trying to shake up a really sweet drink and suddenly it's all over the ceiling. Yeah, never mind. And, uh, Actually, I we, want that. Video. We get a Facebook oh. message. How do I get fruit flies off my ceiling? Because I have no answers there. <laughs> well, I mean, we can we can figure that out. Uh, please come to us with all of your questions. We want to. I I would love for our inbox to be filled with a bunch of bullshit that's just like, how do I do this? And then I'll create a segment on the show called. Ask Quinn this question and watch him struggle to answer it because that would be hilarious. I like this idea. I think we need to workshop the segment name because <laughs> it's a little long. Maybe an acronym. <laughs> uh, we'll just call it Fuck Quinn. How about that one? I'm, I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> There's a lot of hostility in this answering. <laughs> <laughs> first question how do i get fruit flies off my ceiling <laughs> very carefully oh god uh, yeah i don't know quinn is there any other hacks that you had in mind on that on that note yeah find you know two glasses that'll shake well together um you know you can even use a water bottle as a shaker mm -hmm. uh a hack though for making a whiskey sour like i did today with the egg white to get to foam up really well if you have a blender bottle and you have one of those little wire spring balls, 
throw that in your shaker. When you're shaking up the egg whites, it'll aerate them more and it'll save you some time shaking. You know, we talked about using the blender bottle as a shaker on its own as well. Uh, there's not many other things I could think of. You don't need to go buy a bunch of glasses. You probably have glasses at your house. If you're making a drink, like a like an alcoholic drink, anything we're talking about on the show, don't use plastic, man. Come on. Use your coffee cup if you have to. That's a good one. Go something ceramic or glass. Please do not make any of these drinks. Do not drink any of these drinks out of a plastic cup. That just... Why not? Uh, no. I mean, I'll put the caveat, don't do it out of a disposable cup because if you're doing it at home, why generate the trash? This is you have a sink. You may even have a dishwasher. The dishwasher's name is Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, no, it just doesn't. I, I feel like the taste is different. You know how cups have a taste to them? If you disagree, you're wrong. Well, yeah, plastic cups will hold... I guess over time, the possibility of holding some flavors and glass or a ceramic is less likely to do that because they're not porous. And beyond that, it feels wrong. Whatever you're drinking, enjoy it. If you enjoy it more because your favorite cup is a plastic cup, nope. go for it. If your favorite cup is a sippy cup, I guess that one's okay. Why that not? Okay. Um, you know, if, if your favorite cup is drinking out of your boot, I recommend you find a new favorite cup with more power cup. to you. Please find a better cup. Oh, my God. Unless it's a glass boot. But you don't want to drink Bailey's out of a boot? Oh, God. Not old Greg? Spider Mangina as well? God, I love <laughs> that skit. Oh, that's great. Oh, oh Noel Fielding. Oh, God. Such a great comedian. That is a great skit. Go watch old. Go type old Greg into YouTube right now. Just pause us. Go to YouTube. Type in old Greg, watch the videos. Hashtag not a sponsor. Hashtag please. Could be a sponsor. Google, listen to that. We're on your podcast website. Sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, we'll be the one that Google decides to sponsor. We show up on Google search number one now when you type in must stash. That oh, is hey. That is huge. That, that's amazing. That is I huge. mean, props to all of our fans. Um, like that that's pretty awesome. I mean, it might just be because it's on the Google Podcast page now. Shh, don't ruin this for us. However, all twenty-five of you, we love you so much. <laughs> hey, that is twenty-five more than I expected at this point. Did you actually think we'd be at zero? Come on. Well, repeat listeners. Oh, I yeah. thought it would be at zero. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I was fairly certain people would hear our voices, mostly my voice, and go, that man is monotone as fuck. <laughs> Quinn, before we get into more of this, we should pull this episode out to its end. Uh, we got a good time on this one after the past couple episodes have been a little bit short. Hope you guys made it to the end here, Quinn. Anything you want to say for the for as we roll out here? Um, you know, if you guys think of any tips, hacks, tricks, other things that you can make at home, save some money um, with your home bar setup, or just you know making the drinks you love at home, let us know. Shoot us a message, uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
uh, or the however you follow and or like on said platforms. Don't judge me. Um, and, you know, give us a like on Google Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, it goes a yeah. long ways. Follow us, too, on whatever your listening podcast home is. And post some pictures of the drinks you're making. Yes. And uh, tag us in it. We want to see what you're doing. Um, you know, involvement from listeners and, you know, people who appreciate what we're doing is, you know, it, it's awesome. Yes, it is. And with that, we come to an end of episode six. Wow. We are getting in there, Quinn. We are wow. getting out. We're get, we're about veterans now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a month and a half of experience. The world is our oyster and it's just been shucked. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. Remember, always enjoy responsibly. If you need a breakfast drink, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon Hard Coffee is the choice. And if you're hung over, that is also a great choice, along with a greasy sandwich. Not so much with the New York Sour. Have a great rest of your day, and thanks for listening, guys. Have a great one.